The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So uh, Edmonton declared a climate change emergency in August. Um, and if you go to climateforchange.ca website in partnership with uh, the city of Edmonton, um, they're calling on all Edmontonians to take action and, and work together to reduce the city's greenhouse gas emissions by uh, 35%. Um, they're looking at uh, below 2005 levels by 2035. Take a listen. Climate change is reaching a critical moment. The concentration of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere has exceeded a level that our planet hasn't seen in over 3 million years. As a result, global temperatures are rising at an alarming rate. What was once considered our grandchildren's or our children's burden is now our problem. Global warming is our generation's most significant challenge. It's our Great Depression, our World War. It's a global issue that's having a very real impact locally. We are already experiencing extreme weather events and their consequences, the frequency and intensity of which will continue to increase radically if nothing is done. If we continue down this path, climate change will devastate global food production, threaten international freshwater sources, and impact everyone's quality of life. If we take action now, we can reduce the impacts of climate change. 73% of Edmontonians believe we need to take action on climate change. So let's do what Edmontonians do best. Let's come together and lead the charge against climate change. Let's show the world how much we love our city and our planet. Let's change our neighbors' minds. Change our habits. Change the world. Each of us needs to do whatever we can. Whatever we do, we have to do it now. Because if we don't change anything, climate will change everything. Let's change for what really matters. Let's change for climate. Brought to you by the City of Edmonton. So on on that website, when you go on it, it suggests some different uh, changes that you can implement. And I'm wondering if you're doing any of them. Um, According to my text line, you don't have to do. A lot of you aren't doing anything because you think it's all BS anyway. So, you know, that's up to you. That's your decision. There are a number of other people who are working um, to to make small changes and even bigger changes. And if you look at some of them, you know, the smaller changes, you know, dry clothes naturally, use cold water when you're washing your clothes, um, use fans instead of air conditioning, the bigger changes, switching to LED bulbs, um, insulate a basement, commute a couple of times a month. Um, and then you look at the bigger changes, of course, which, you know, in installing energy efficient windows, driving an electric vehicle, um, and then they go up and up. And the question really is, is it possible? Is living a carbon-free life possible in 2019? Well, uh, we had a chance to speak to someone who is trying his darndest to do just that. That's right, Jay. I was super excited when I got the chance to uh, talk to Nestor Russell, who's an instructor in the Department of Sociology at the University of Calgary. I uh, spoke to him a little while ago, and he's somewhat of a celebrity in the circles of being able to shut everything off and just live on what it is day to day that humans used to need. So he doesn't drive a car. He doesn't take the elevator. <laughs> He hasn't stepped foot on a plane since he decided that he would never do that again in 2006. And he's from New Zealand. Mm. So we moved to Canada since then. Uh, The first question that I asked him is, what was the moment that led him 
to be determined to keep up this style of living because it can't be easy. I mean, we've we've known about climate. Most people have known about climate change for a long, long time. And um, for me, uh, it was more just being um, just putting my foot down. It was it was kind of offensive. A politician, a politician's advisor, made fun of of greenies. And I'm kind of I come from a very working class background. But as I went through university, I started to uh, see merit in a lot of green politics. Um, and um, I, I guess. Uh, I just, I, I, it, was, it was someone making fun of greenies and I thought, well, you know, I'm a greenie and, and I fly. So, and, and it seemed like, a, I, I do this to myself, I'll just suddenly decide and then I'll tell people. And I'm kind of, entrapped, I'm kind of entrapping myself into a commitment that I, that I would otherwise might pull out of if I didn't tell anyone. So then I kind of trap myself. And, I, it, it's, um, like, and it wasn't so hard in New Zealand because, you know, you can get around quite easily. Um, but then when I, um, I uh, won a scholarship to come to Canada, uh, I was confronted by the reality that this was going to be tricky. Um, and, but I just look for solutions, and that's the thing. When you make a commitment to something, uh, something like not flying, you just end up looking for solutions, and there's always solutions. You know, there's always possibilities. That is Nestor Russell, who has committed to trying to live a carbon-free life since 2006. And when you think about what his life must be like, or the practices that he's preaching, you might think that he's from the planet Saturn. Right? <laughs> like everybody needs to commute, everybody needs to yeah. work, everybody needs to eat here. He's a human being, and he lives in Calgary, mm-hmm. all places. He's not living in Vancouver or Seattle or Los Angeles. So I asked him specifically, living in Calgary, one of the things that came to mind was transportation. How does he get around? Because it can get pretty cold in Calgary. I've come to learn about Alberta. So I asked him just that. How has the transportation process been complicated by living in southern Alberta? I ride my bike in the winter. Um, unless I'm injured, um, then I'll catch the, the sea train. Uh, but... Um, I've been living in Calgary. I've been living in Calgary since 2015, uh, and uh, maybe a little bit earlier than that. But and I came to Canada in 2011. Um, and the first time, when I when I got to North Bay in Ontario in 2011, where I had my first job, um, people told me that you couldn't ride a bike in the winter. So initially, I um, took the bus. But then I started seeing t- a couple of people riding bikes. The same people. There was two. There were two men that were riding bikes. And then I was like, oh. So uh, I bought a bike and started riding myself. Uh, and it was possible. I don't know. People just seemed to think that it was impossible. It's not. I mean, of course. Uh, you go back a couple of generations, and um, and everyone was riding bikes in the winter. Um, so it's not. It's not that hard. And, and actually, minus eighteen is pretty comfortable if you wear a balaclava. I mean, I. Uh, it's kind of funny, uh, uh, in um, North Bay, I, I knew that the key was to buying a balaclava. That was the key. You can, you, you can everything else is just jacket and pants and good socks and stuff. Um, but um, in, in North Bay, you can only get uh, uh, balaclavas that pretty much um, look like hunting ones, so they're like camouflage. So you look like a complete psychopath, but uh, you know I'm a I'm a I'm a vegetarian or a vegan, and uh, so it didn't really match, but it did look kind of crazy. But that's the key, you know. If you can get, um, you can actually go into quite low temperatures. The key is a balaclava. I never got goggles, but that's the other 
central, but if you really want to go, you know, like minus 30 and, uh, and further and colder than that, uh, you really need, you know, you need goggles. But um, and it's, it's actually pretty comfortable, you know, once you get riding, you get quite warm and cosy and um, you're getting a bit of exercise as well. It's great. I always uh, have thought that, and tip of the hat to those folks who uh, ride their bikes year-round, uh, I have no interest in doing, doing it, couldn't no. do it. I have a number of, uh, I know a number of people who do do it, but uh, yeah, not for me. I know plenty of people in Vancouver who draw, who do their bikes year-round, but it doesn't get any colder than like two degrees. Yeah, a little different in Edmonton. So after hearing that, my next question, of course, because he doesn't sound like he's from Canada, he doesn't sound like he's from <laughs> North Bay, and he's talking about having gotten that scholarship in Ontario. So I asked him, since he pledged in 2006 to never step foot on a plane again, how in tarnation did this guy come to study in North Bay, Ontario? I can't remember how I heard about it, um, but I found out that you could travel on cargo ships, and you can travel anywhere in the world. There are more ports than there are airports, so you can go to places where planes can't go. Um, uh, and so I basically uh, went from Auckland. I, I found the company, and, and the, you can book an agent. Uh, there's an agent in New Zealand that specialises in cargo travel, um, and uh, so I contacted him, and he said, just tell me where and when you want to go, and I'll try and find a ship that will roughly get you there. And so that's what I did, and um, and it was an amazing journey. And I went from I went from uh, Auckland, New Zealand, straight across the Pacific to a place called Colon in Panama, um, and then when I got off uh, there, um, uh, 17 days later, I uh, I caught mostly buses north. Um, through Panama and then obviously through Costa Rica and places like that and into Mexico. Um, and and then I started taking trains when I got to the US. Uh, I got a train from, uh, I think, New Orleans to New York, which was actually pretty quick, like a day and a half. You just get on the train and it was off. And it was great. I loved the train because it was so social. You, you got to talk to people and people wanted to talk to you and uh, and you, and you when you go for when you go to the dining cart you uh the, the carriage you're forced to eat with other people um strangers and so you you're forced to meet people and i, I just made me think you know this doesn't happen on planes you don't talk to anyone so it was much more social uh, and there were all kinds of unusual people on the train there were um i've done a bit, a bit of train travel uh, you know, like I, I had a conversation with a Mennonite um, over over dinner, and, and I would never have had that opportunity otherwise. You know, you meet all kinds of interesting characters. Um, so, so I caught a train to New York, and then I got a bus uh, through Buffalo, New York, and, and then eventually to Toronto, and then I got another bus to North Bay. And it was, I mean, it's slow, but it's an adventure. You know, it's not. Um, it is a total adventure that you, you can't anticipate what's going to happen. Uh, it can be stressful, but that's part of it. Um, and and uh, I would totally recommend anyone else do it. Travelling by sea was phenomenal. It was just, there were so many interesting and crazy things that happened. It's a trip I will never forget. I doubt whether most people listening to your radio station would remember their last train, tr- their last plane trip in much detail, but I can assure you if they go on a cargo ship, uh, they will remember a lot. <laughs>
Interesting. Uh, Nestor Russell is uh, is uh, is a man living in Calgary who's dedicated to living a carbon-free life since 2006. We've been talking with him about what that is like and those challenges. Now, all of this, Chadville, is a part of our Dec- Decision Canada coverage. At the start of the election, um, Canadians really identified five issues that were uh, top of the mind for them, including health care, immigration, the economy and jobs, uh, climate change. And so as a part of our Decision Canada and our Alberta Matters focus, we've been looking at those issues. You'll remember earlier this week, last week it was immigration. Today it is climate change. We will continue the conversation with Nestor Russell after this. So uh, today we're talking uh, climate change, at least we are for the next few minutes up until the uh, three o'clock news hour. And of course, we have those uh, those um, climate strikes happening uh, around the world, uh, the protests, the rallies. Um, we've been seeing them throughout the week. Uh, again, Edmonton's going to have its own rally at the legislature tomorrow, uh, scheduled for, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon. We've been talking with uh, Nestor Russell, who um, has... Um, He's saying dedicated to living a carbon-free life since 2006. And you know what, Chris? I know you, you know, producer Chris Brentlinger Grant talked to him um, about this, and a number of people are questioning. Okay, well, but he took a ship. You know, how's that different than than taking a, a an airplane? What yeah. about you know all of this sort of stuff? Yeah. Um, and you know, they're they're they actually they're calling him. Some people are calling him a fraud. He considers himself to be a hypocrite. That's what he told me in this next clip. He talks about how he could see himself consider breaking his own rules because in 2019, it isn't possible to get here. So it's, it's a matter of having the least intrusive or invasive carbon footprint and making those choices, those conscious choices. And from what I had understood as well, and we've been hearing a lot about air travel, there's been a lot of focus on on cruise ships and all, all that sort of stuff, but taking this cargo ship was lesser than... The aircraft. Substantially lesser. Yeah, I believe it's a three meter um, radius of Arctic ice for every air passenger that travels across the Atlantic. Every single passenger melts that amount of ice with the footprint of the amount of carbon that's emitted by that jet plane. It's interesting, though. At least, you know, this guy is trying. If you talk about, you know, you know, riding the bicycle, not taking the elevators, buying uh, secondhand clothes again. Um, said, though, yeah, as you said, he considers himself a, a bit of a hypocrite, saying that he could maybe break some rules one day. My family's in New Zealand, and it's difficult. Um, it's not that I will never go on a plane again. If my parents um, got sick or my, my, my sisters got very sick uh, and I needed to get to New Zealand quickly, I would get on a plane. But the reality is, is that I don't need to. If I want to go to a Guns N' Roses concert, I'm not going to get on a plane to go to L.A. I'm not going to do it. You know, it's just um, I don't need to do that. Uh, I just... I, I, I like to entrap myself into commitments, and um, and it does make a difference when you do that. I, you know, but I've broken all my rules. Uh, you know, uh, eventually, you know, you, you're confronted by a situation, and I have caved. So I'm far from perfect, and I and I do see myself as a hypocrite. And uh, but I, I I really try to stick to some of them as best I can. You know, stick to some of them, and one of them he didn't stick to was having a child. Yeah, he has one child. He thought that it was unthinkable for him to have more than one child. His wife had to sort of talk him into it, his, you know, then life partner turned wife. Um, 
And that's one of the questions that I had in the back of my mind as well was how difficult of a lifestyle is it to keep up with friends and a wife because he's not a hermit living out in like a shack in the middle of nowhere. He's actually a professor, an instructor, pardon me, at the University of Calgary. It is tricky uh, and you do feel like a bit of a weirdo but um, my politics did overlap uh, with um, my um, partners and um, and, and relationships are, relationships are give and take, of course. And I mean, I would already, I, I'd always been interested tentatively of, of having a child, you know, no more than one. Um, but uh, I was kind of like, uh, I, th- I didn't think I was going to have a child, but my partner really wanted one, and um, and and there was something in me that was kind of. Uh, interested in, in having a child, uh, but it, it is tricky around friends, you know. And but mostly people are pretty supportive. And even though I'm I'm kind of this weird individual, it, um, it doesn't feel weird to me. But um, people are usually they're usually sympathetic, and um, uh, and and it does have an effect, you know. It's, it can change other people. Um, I think it can have an influence. I don't know. I guess it is tricky. Relationships are really tricky. Uh, and difficult. My family. I'm just this weird guy, <laughs> you know, this oddball. Um, it makes it difficult. My mother's 80th birthday. You know, I'm not going. I'm not going. And and you know, how long is she going to be around for uh, at, at the age of 80? And I feel a lot of guilt over that. But oh, it is. You're, you're it is implied in your question. Um, it is difficult. It is really difficult. But some things are important. Some things are really important, and this is something that I've, I've really increasingly committed myself, especially after seeing Greta Thunberg and how um, forceful she is. She's, she's a strong personality, and I wish I was more like her, but I just, I'm not as, I'm, I'm not a, as tough as she is, and, and I think she's doing some great stuff, but um, relationships are difficult. That would be the answer to, to, to my question there. More important than his uh, mother's 80th birthday. Interesting. Uh, it's 2.55 on uh, 6.30 Chad afternoons. You know what? Um, I got I to tell you something. I mean, I tell you the stories and can do these interviews with you, and I look at this list of things, you know, of the things that you can do, and I'm not sitting here preaching at you, saying you have to do this, you have to do that, you can't do this. Um, and a number of you are saying, oh, come on, you know what, I'm, I'm living probably more carbon neutral than that guy. Well, well good on you. And I'd, I'd love to know how you're doing it. Um, if you're not doing it, that's your own prerogative uh, as well. I'm not going to sit here and say you have to or else. I, I look at this list and look around our house and go, what the hell am I doing at my house to, to offset anything? And really... Um, not a whole lot, and I'll, I'll admit to that. But the fact of the matter is, if, you know, you take a look at some stuff and um, maybe realize that there are some small changes one way or another that you can make if you're so inclined, it's not going to hurt.